Sassy B Worldwide Productions. With over 25 years of entertainment experience, we have done it all. Celebrity appearances, red carpet events, image consultation and branding design. Our clients range from American football stars to Hollywood celebrities and everyone in between. Want to make a splash in the entertainment industry? Then it's time to get sassy. SassyBeeWorldwide.com Hi guys, CJ here. We currently have a few positions available for relationship managers. If you would like the opportunity to work in sports marketing, this could be it. The ABA is the largest pro league in the world and partnered with the AAU representing over 700,000 athletes around the world. Building business relationships and helping bring new audiences to every business we're working with is the goal. You're not limited to one state or region. Businesses partnering with sports is always a win-win for the community. Sound interesting? Then drop us an email and get more information at jobs at aba101.club. And we'll get back to you right away. You're listening to ABA One-on-One Podcast. Hey guys, it's time for a new episode of ABA One-on-One. Open up, yeah. Open up now. Open up. Open up, yeah. Open up. Open up now. This is going to be an interesting one. We have our first ever professional NBA referee on, uh, Eric Lewis. And I got my boy Rick back with me. Uh, Brian might be joining us a little bit later. I know he's coaching still in Melbourne. They got these big camps going on. But Rick, welcome to, I mean, Rick, (laughs) Eric, welcome to ABA one-on-one, brother. How are you, man? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great, man. Great. Well, we're looking forward to uh, learning everything about you, man, like, you know, how you got started, you know, uh, everything, you know, for that got you to the level of where you are now in the game, you know, so uh, I'll let you, uh, I'll let Rick kick it off with a quick question, and then we'll let you take it from there, and then, uh, you know, we'll probably hit you back with a couple of questions, because I want to know eventually who have you had the opportunity of thrown out of a game, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Eric knows. I know Eric pretty well. Know his background, so I'm I'm pretty uh, feel pretty fortunate you know, to call him my friend. And Way to go. story, I go to Houston Rockets training camp last year, or two years ago. I mean, the years all running together now with this COVID, and go to their exhibition game against the Shanghai Sharks in the arena. And the first person I run into is Eric. Wow, so, that's true. Yeah, that is true. That, but, wow. Anyway. Wow. Pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I was watching the game last night, Utah and uh, Phoenix. Yes. And uh, I thought, holy cow, that looks like Eric. So I zeroed in, and sure enough, there he was doing the Utah-Phoenix game last night. So. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, Rick, Rick texts me on that. He goes, hey, Eric's on right now. I'm like, oh, wow. Exciting uh, game, too. It's very exciting. Yeah. Even for the referees, it's exciting. Right, Eric? Eric oh, yeah. Get into the games, too. Yeah, you, I mean, they, they've they had fans there, which uh, increased the intensity of the game and, the, you know, emotions of the players. Um, and it kind of makes them play harder. And then you have, you know, team one versus team two out of the West. And both are trying to make a statement. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, that game was – when you walked out on the floor from the very – during the warm-ups, you can see there was no playing around. They meant business, and they came out and played that way. So that was like a semi-playoff game. Wow. The, the atmosphere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so. uh, well, unbelievable. But, well, you know, well, I want to go back a little ways farther, a little earlier in your life. You know, I knew when you were at Mainland, uh, the proud tradition of the Buccaneers. And uh, uh, I told CJ about all the players that have been through Mainland. Although oh, yeah. I have a tradition yeah. with Mainland, other than when I was at Bethune-Cookman, uh, I followed Mainland. I've always followed them pretty close. They're kind of the elite. They're what the standard everybody else is trying to get to. Correct. Yes, but. yes. From from football and basketball, um, we were highly recruited out of there. Um, many schools, but mostly, this, you know, this, the state of Florida schools, like uh, University of Florida and Florida State. Florida State was really big with us, um, basketball and football-wise, and some baseball. So that whole Volusia County area was more Florida uh, recruited-wise than out of the state when I was there. Wow. Now it's much different. Yeah. Much wow. different now. So yeah, well, played basketball the there. Went, yep. Uh, yeah, the Vince Carter went through that place. It's incredible. Vince Carter is the most widely known um, because of his athleticism and and being able, to, you know, dunking and. But we've had several players, you know, prior to him in the NBA and and uh, NFL. So. Cool, it's man. a tradition there. That's, when you when you go there as a coach, there you know, like you come in here to play, not mess around. Cool. Yeah, that's well, that's well, very true. Well, I want to ask you, man. Uh, when you were there, <laughs> when you were younger, were you more focused on trying to become a player, or did you just say, "Now I want to be on the ref end"? No, you know, like every player, you know, we all think we we're NBA talent, and then yeah. uh, at some point, reality kicks in. When you reach that, you reach that level, and um, I know that feeling. <laughs> so, so you reach that level, and you realize, you know, I had a, I had a chance to go like try the CBA teams and stuff like that, which I turned down because you know I'm a small town kid, and I didn't know anything about going to North Dakota or South Dakota to play in the CBA. Right. Um, but I think thinking back, if if I had if I was a little bit more educated on it. I probably would have tried it and, yeah. and, you know, even overseas, I wasn't going overseas um, and nothing against overseas. I just didn't, I just wasn't, you know, that educated on it. And uh, so I just chose to stay home and, and mess around and play on traveling teams. You know, we would go travel and that's how I got into officiating because there was a referee that re remembered me playing and he's like, man, instead of coming out here, scoring 30 in these travel leagues, you need to come, you know, score 30 on the referee side and make you 30, 50 bucks. And mm -hmm. just to do it locally high school. And um, 
he said, you, you know the game. You very got a high IQ. Um, you do really well. So that's what I did. He, I promised him I'd go to a camp that they were hosting right in Daytona Beach at Embry-Riddle. Um, wow. And I, I went to that camp thinking, it, it's a funny story. He gave me an application for the camp. And it, the camp was in June. So um, let me see, January, February, March. I want to say like April. April is when he gave me the application. He said, I'm going to give you this application. And he goes, promise me you won't throw this away. I said, I promise. So being a, a young kid, I, I took the application. I went home and just threw it on my dresser. And I promise you, I did not look at the application again until I was cleaning up my room in June on the day that the camp was starting. Wow. How ironic was that? So wow. I'm cleaning up my dresser and cleaning up my room because it was a Sunday. And on Sundays back then, we would play in the park. You would play in the morning at the recreation center. And then... In the afternoon, in the evening, you play at the local park. So when I finished playing that morning, you know, I came home, showered up, started cleaning up my room, and I saw this piece of paper. And I was like, I did promise this guy we're going to throw this away. And I started reading it. I was like, oh, that's today. I said, you know what? Let me go up. I'll walk up, you know, and, and see what it's about. And if I don't like it, I'll go play my basketball in the evening. I never made it out to play basketball. Wow. So... Wow. That and and and, it, and you know it, it changed my life, man. Destiny. <laughs> we're, and we're we're all um, we all benefited from that too. We all that was to our benefit. I'm glad. I'm really glad. Yeah. But uh, so it, it was. That's a funny story. Uh, and it, had I thrown that paper away any time before that, I would not be refereeing. Man. Yeah, but like you, you just never know, man. That's how life rolls, man. So we gl we're glad you took that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> so uh, uh, hey, I, I would like to ask, um, and, and I'm not trying to get in your business, but like, um, do they pay the refs like real good in the NBA? <laughs> um, I would not say real good, but we make a uh, we make a living, you know, beyond. What a, you can go out and get a normal job, you know. Um, yeah. So it, but the you know a lot comes with that. The accountability of, of performing at a high level every night. Yeah. Uh, be, being away from your family, um, twenty six days out of the month. Mm. Um, you do not getting any days off. There ain't no calling in sick. Yeah. Um, and you know it's it's, it's a it's a it's a workload that comes with it. Being on ESPN every, you know, every night when you miss the play, da 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 da, and people sending you death threats <laughs> at your house and emails. Wow. So I, I think, I think we we may be a little underpaid, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I always wondered about that, you know, like because I know the league generates so much, uh, so much money, you know. I always wondered how it kind of trickles down, you know, and and, and you gotta have. Uh, you know, this way you have elite players. You got to have elite reps. You know, so yep. I, I always wondered about that. So yeah, I mean, we like every team gets forty-one home games. Referees yep. don't have any home games. We all live in areas, but some of us may live in the market city or outside, just outside the market city. But we we're not home forty-one days like the teams are. Wow. Um, so that I mean, you're missing. 
uh, birthdays, you're missing special events. Uh, you, you know, you're missing like if you have kids, their sporting events or any kind of talent shows or anything like that. Um, they do work with us some, but it's kind of hard because our staff is limited to where like, you know, when you have uh, 15 games on one night, like you, mostly everybody's working. You know, yeah, uh, recently yeah. they've increased the staff to try to allow us to, you know, be home a little bit more. Um, mm. It works out for some and not for others, kind of based on your seniority. Um, you know, so, but it, it's getting better. Man, COVID, uh, COVID, COVID threw a, a COVID threw a wrench into it because they try to get you on the road now and limit your travel and they try to keep you stationary. So you're not, you know, being in contact with very many people. Uh, so that means you're on the road more now than I've ever been. Um, wow. And in, and in one city more than I've ever been. Okay. Does the league cover your travel or does their cultures association cover your travel? No, 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 no. We're not, we're, we're definitely, a different entity than anything with the players or coaches. So everything we do is directly from the NBA front office. Okay. okay. So whatever whatever expenses we have, they deal directly with it. Um, and so we're not we're not we have no connection with the coaches association or the players association or you know the retired players association or retired coaches or anything like that. So wow. we're our own entity and, and we're governed by the office. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, you guys are definitely definitely under the microscope. I'm telling you, it's uh, one of my favorite lines. I used to joke with people when I go to games and stuff. And a lot of times I've, I've met a lot of referees at NBA games because I go to a lot of magic games and just sometimes some heat games. And when I see one, I always bring Eric's name up and, and you know, we always get this little running dialogue. And I always say the – uh problem with referees is they don't care who wins and, <laughs> and once that once that sinks in it starts laughing they start laughing they think so at first they think i'm getting ready to get on them say something negative about them i said no <laughs> don't care who wins and again yeah. joey crawford's one i told it to eric yeah oh. yeah that, but that is the that is based <laughs> on east team that's the problem with us that we don't care that their team is winning <laughs> <laughs> but but that, I think that's that's. Um, but you know, you know, Eric. Uh, referees are just like players, and just like coaches. Coaches probably more than players. You know, there's bad apples and good apples, and you know, you try to weed out the bad apples. But you know, it's always, like I said, you're always under that scrutiny, under that microscope. Uh, what was it, about that? What about that call? Tell me what you think about the uh, about the review, about the the uh, talking about the players. Remember, look at play. Go back and look at plays and changing plays and all that well i mean far far as like how how we go about our work ethic we review every game that we officiate and we watch games like i'm watching the lakers miami game now watching my uh my co-workers and we learn and we try to get better every day like what people don't understand referees are very competitive i don't care what level it is they want to be better the next call or the next game um and the last thing they want to do is impact the game in a negative manner. Um, mm. So, I mean, that is, that, that part is the most, like, um, 
addressed area for referees. Like we don't want to impact the game. And if we have a situation where we impact the game in a negative manner, like that doesn't go away. That's like missing a game winning shot for us in 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 the final game. Like that haunts us, you know, and like those moments, we relive those. And if we had a a genie in the bottle, we probably, you know, rub that bottle and go back to that moment and do something different, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I want to ask you too. I want to ask you too. Um, uh, have they? Sorry, Rick. Uh, I'm, I may have a little bit of delay on there, but um, hey, are, are there? Since you've been in the league, have there been any rule changes that have affected your your um, your style of repping Where you just said this is dumb? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that because the thing about our rules they're geared toward the uh, athleticism of the players. Yeah. Um, people think it's entertainment, which I mean, every, every sport is entertainment. Basically you go to a high school game to watch then, you know, even though you may have a son or a daughter playing, it's entertaining, but yeah. um, like our players. Uh, so everybody complained about traveling, right? Mm-hmm. Our traveling rule is totally different than high school and NCAA. And the reason being is you have a six, eight guy going 30 miles an hour and he's carrying 230, 40 pounds on him. He cannot adhere to an antiquated traveling, traveling rule. You have to give them the ability to stop or you, you know what? You wouldn't have any players playing. They'll tear, they'll tear something up, ACL, ankle, knee. Cause you just can't stop on a dime like that. Um, <laughs> are you, are, are you actually making an excuse for that? That that four step rule that they have nowadays. No, no, we don't. We don't have four steps. We don't have four steps. Well, now, it, looks like, it, it looks like it during the game. Yeah, but the thing about it is, our guys are so big. Like yeah. you take Arden Cooper, he can pick the ball up at mid court, take two steps, and dunk. And everybody goes, "That's four steps." <laughs> no, nah, it's not four steps. So oh. if, if if I if we break down any film. Of course, you're gonna find travels, but oh, yeah. when oh, you yeah. when you watch, I can I can show you all the times you think it's a travel, and I slow it down and I show you the steps, and you go, you're right. Yeah. The thing is, you watch, you know, many viewers watch so much high school and college, and now when you watch your NBA game, and you go, wow, that like, that had to be something because it's just no way, and they're not used to seeing the six. I mean, average height is six six. Yeah. But now. You know the six eleven players are dribbling the basketball and shoot three points pointers and bringing it yeah. up the court. So true. So okay. now it brings in another you know another viewpoint of a player picking up the ball from. Think about it. Every high school and college player is picking up the ball inside the lane, right below the free throw line, taking two steps. Our guys yeah. are picking it up behind the three point line, the NBA three point line, and taking yeah. two steps. Yeah, true. So that's a different. That's a different. You know perspective or aspect when you're watching that you go like he can't do that that's just because you're not used to seeing that happen pretty much <laughs> that's that's a great point eric that is a great point uh i was uh i have these running arguments i'm a i'm a big uh james harden fan and i'm and uh-huh. I'm discussions with these guys all the time about that that step back move and also that move where he kind of the euro step thing and and I said, if you slow that, like you just said, if you slow motion that and slow motion, you'll see that's 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 not a walk. But his footwork is so good. Yes, they practice. 
they practice. It, look, it, look, it looks like it for the naked eye. And the, the thing about it is, like, those players practice it so much that when they do travel, one, we're not used to them traveling like that. But when we call it, they don't think they travel because they, they, they actually practice this move every day until it becomes habit. Yeah. Um, and like our, our, our uh, traveling rule is in line with FIBA where, you know, everybody to understand it, they talk about a zero step. So once a player establishes a pivot foot um, on a moving player, when he, when he, the, it, it all depends on when the gather ends or on the starts or when the dribble ends. So when the dribble ends and the gather starts, that planted foot is a, a zero step. From there, they get two steps. Or even, even when you pass me the ball, I get two steps to come to a stop. So when you see a guy catch the ball and he go one, two, you go like, that's traveling. In the NBA, that's not because of the speed and the, you know, the momentum of the players allow them to try to come to a stop. Right, um, right. No, when I'm when I'm on the post or I'm standing still and I have possession of the basketball, I get one step to pass a shoot, and that's the same across every league. Yeah. Um, and people used to call it the Michael Jordan rule, but they don't understand that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was doing it and George Mikan was doing it. George Mikan was doing it so much they had to widen the lane to stop him from doing it. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he, and Will, he and Will Chamberlain. <laughs> right. They would step outside the lane. And yeah. one step, but think about it. That traveling rule was when they had rovers and they only allowed, they had two players on each end of the court and you were allowed two dribbles, um, which they, with, with two dribbles, there was not a lot of movement. And one player was a rover, which they rove, you know, they went back from each end of the court where it was three on three. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So that traveling rule is still in, hadn't really been changed since then, but I think with, with the players now, even in college, they need to make some adjustments to, uh, you know, to compensate for the speed of the players now. Because it's no more like we got more three-pointers, we got more fast breaks. You're talking about teams are putting up 60 shots from just from the three-point line alone. And, uh, and if you look at the fast break points, they, I mean, they've doubled since we had, you know, like the, the front set um, – Offense and, and you know, the, the zone defense is, is just totally different now. And mm. they just need to adjust some of the rules with the, with the athleticism and the technology that the players are using now to get better, you know? Yeah. Well, I tell you, I think, I think the block charge call, uh, although that's a lot of it is it, it's controversial, I think that's got to be the hardest call. And you correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's got to be the hardest call in all the, all the league of basketball. I, I don't think it's the hardest. It may be the most inconsistent. Um, but I think for, for us in the NBA, out of bounds and basket interference goaltending is the hardest call for us. Oh, really? Yeah, that's mm. the hardest call. Because think about it. When a ball gets passed through the middle of the lane, it touches so many people, and then it goes out of bounds. You're trying to figure out who touched it last. Yeah. And that's why, like, really, the review was in place and it started with out of bounds as far as review because it, it's so hard to see who touched it last. And then uh, we referee the defender so much that when they shoot the ball, we don't follow the ball up in the air. We follow the defenders and rebound, and we're trying to get to the next action area. And the next thing you know, the ball is being swatted, and you go like, well, did I hit the rim? Was it the only way, <laughs> it's way down? 
you know, so those plays for us are the hardest. Um, in the NBA, we don't have a lot of block charge plays. In college, you do because of zone defense and, and help defense. There's more help defense in, in college than there is in, in the NBA. Wow. Um, because it, it's, it's, it's really hard to help in the NBA because once a guy beats his primary defender and he goes up, uh, I don't think you want to be uh, on Shaq and the Fool. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to help. And, and Michael Jordan is already, you know, 12 feet in the air. And I'm or Vince is up there. Yeah, your help is, is useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now, before we run out of time, you got to answer my question here. Yes. <laughs> who, who had... Have you thrown anybody? Have you have you thrown anybody out of the game? And sent them to the bench that that just kind of went off and really deserved it. Um, I'm gonna be honest. In the last couple of years, as far as me, yeah. Um, and and because of because of the relationships I've built with players, you know, over the years, and my my status of being a finals referee, yeah, they. They do not approach me in that manner. If I throw them out, it's because they're they're interacting with each other in a manner that's not fitting for the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched some of your video. I do see a lot of players and coaches have words with you. Like they don't, I mean, they're not angry words. They they always, you know, try to speak. Yeah, we yeah. We 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 speak in a competitive language to each other. You yeah. know, it's not always nice, but we understand each other and we move yeah. on. Um, but you know, probably like you would see more younger referees throwing players out because they haven't established that credibility in the league or with players and coaches yet, you uh -huh. know, and they're still trying to feel their way. And it's funny that, you know, when I was a young referee, like it was just overwhelming that the players, like if when you had Detroit, you had Rasheed, real Tayshawn Prince, Chauncey Ooh. Billups, they're all yelling at you at one time. And I'm, I'm like, yo, this is my first year. Like, leave <laughs> me alone. You know? <laughs> so, and then you go, you know, I'm gonna hit all of y'all. Whack, 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 whack. Yeah. You just can't, you just can't do that. You know? yeah. So, um, but well, I've had I've had many ejections, you know, through my career. Um, some good, some bad, some warranted, some yeah. uh I could have used communication better, you know. Yeah. Um so it, it, it's, it's a journey and, and it's always an ongoing learning process. Now, aren't, aren't you guys taught Eric sometimes to de-escalate the situation just to walk away or, or go to the other side of the court? Yeah. De-escalation is not always walking away. Sometimes it's communication. Sometimes it's listening and understanding. Um, and, and we, you know, we practice several methods of trying to de-escalate and um, because when, when, when everybody is emotional, nothing positive get accomplished. Yeah. So I, we try to stay, try to leave emotions out and try to have more understanding. Um, so you would see like uh, last night, Michael Malone got ejected uh, in the game. There was no understanding there. Uh, he wanted to go. He, he, he came aggressively at the referee and he did not stop. And he was sending a message. And those are the ones, you know, you go, okay, he wants to go. But there's times when, you know, coaches come out 
at at you trying to defend their players, and you know, you just de-escalate it, and then everything's back to normal. You know, right. So yeah. we 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 try to we try to have some understanding. People think we just go out with our guns loaded, and you know, first person stick their head up. You know, we we bopping their head back down, and that's just not <laughs> as a whack-a-mole. We're not playing whack-a-mole out there. Uh, we understand the importance of players to their teams, and uh, but we also have standards that we have that those players must abide by, and and you know which allows consistency across the league that you know you don't act this way, you know try to keep your emotions under the guidelines and play basketball, and that's what we try to keep their pl- the players' head and the coaches their heads there in that manner. Hey, uh, Eric, who who was it? Who and I know I've, someone had told me this. Who were the two high-profile coaches? I want to say Phil Jackson and Larry Brown. It's supposed that you teed both of them up in the same game. <laughs> what did those now, Larry Brown, Larry Brown. <laughs> I, I I must admit, Larry Brown and I had a couple of run-ins, but we also had respect for each other. He didn't carry it to the next game. Um, actually, it was a funny story. We were in Atlanta. And uh, and I'm not bragging on this. So I want to make this clear on the record. Uh, <laughs> so Larry Brown uh, was upset, and I'm not sure if it was the uh, entire crew or just me. And he he goes, "Hey ref, hey ref," and in our league we know each other's name, <laughs> you know. And and uh, he said it one too many times. And I hit him. He goes, Eric. So he knew right away, you know, like. (laughs) He messed up. He messed up. Yeah, yeah. So so I hit him. uh, And then, but he and I, you know, he and I had a good relationship. And and I had him on several teams, you know. But that, that sticks out because people bring that up all the time about that because the uh, the reporter was like, can you believe Eric gave him a technical foul for saying, hey, ref, you know, but they don't <laughs> know the, the, you know, the, the story behind it. Because as yeah. soon as I hit him with a technical foul, you know, he yells my name. All of a sudden, so he hear your name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Selective amnesia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> hey, that's crazy oh. hey man look we got, uh, we got we got about nine minutes so let Rick, go ahead go ahead hit him i want to i want to mention this to eric because i always think that this is so funny i uh i have a very good friend named mike d'antoni who's now the assistant with, <laughs> he was with houston and i told yes. uh i told eric i said when you get a chance say say what's up to to mike for me the mike and i go back a long ways and and Eric replied, he's not Cam, man. He's yelling at me too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Mike I and I have, <laughs> Mike, 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 he's very animated and emotional. And it's so funny that, uh, you know, when he was a head coach, and I said, Mike, tone down your antics. And then you'll see him put his hands behind his back, and he's trying to keep his head from bobbing. And to me, I, I mean, that cracks me up. I just start laughing. And he, he goes, <laughs> I know, I know Eric, and he walks off, and then, you know, me and him will start laughing, but he and I have a good relationship, too, as well, um, so, but, I mean, I've learned, you know, over the years through trial and error how to communicate, 
and um, you know, to kind of like have a mutual professional relationship with the players and coaches, which we Man. all strive to do that as, as referees. Wow. Um, yeah. So oh, that's pretty cool, man. That's, that's, that's pretty great. Cool. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're giving me an idea for a new segment, man. We could we could be catching <laughs> we could be catching you uh uh after after a couple of days after the game and review the game. Yeah, we could do that. We could break down the film. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool, man. <laughs> you know, I, like this so I'll give you a quick day of what we do. Uh we get in the night before depending on the time of the game, if there's an early game, um, we probably meet the night before and go over our game plan for how, how we're going to attack the game. Yeah. Um, because we see the teams and players so much, we know their style of play. So we try to talk about how to maximize our positioning and our areas of coverage so that we, you know, when we make a decision, it's a correct decision where we make a call and not make a call. Um, we talk about how to be a team and try to, you know, work together as a team instead of as an individual. Um, so we can be effective as a crew. Um, then we make we go with film and we go over new protocols or anything that happened previous between the two teams and talk about how to better manage the situations and the competitive matchups. Um, the day of the game, we meet for lunch or breakfast and we go over and try to, you know, reiterate things we talked about last night as well. And then, you know, we, we get to the locker room an hour and a half before the game and we go over some things that, or maybe something that developed, you know, from the last time we saw each other. Uh, hmm. then, then we get on the floor, we work, you know, and we work by, so for us, we work by timeouts. So our, we have two mandatory timeouts per period, and we go, let's make it to the first 659 mark. And then during those timeouts, if there's, we look at each other when that timeout happens, whenever the teams call it, um, we look at each other and go, hey, we good? Do we need to make any adjustments? And then we go to the 259 timeout, same way, and then in between periods. So we're always constantly trying to be better than the next, those that next interval. Right. And then we get into the locker room. We have plays that we we've noted throughout that first half, and we watch those plays in the locker room, trying to be better going out in the second half. And then we do the same thing in the second half, and, and we have plays that we note. And then at the end of the game, when we get in the locker room, we go through it because there's a a monitor in our locker room with the game and we go over those plays. And then from there, the crew chief, uh, we go back to the hotel. We may sit down with the, the younger referees or the less experienced referees and we do a tape breakdown. So when they leave, when that crew leaves and they go to their next game, they're prepared. Right. And from there, the crew chief has to put in plays that were impactful to the game for a game report so that the league is prepared for any issues or complaints coming from the team the next day. So it's not, it's not, you know, we just show up to a game work and then we go back and, you know, we go to the next game. Like it's just constant preparation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so our work ethic is, is, is very, very, uh, you know, kind of like we trying Critical. to get better. Yeah. Um, man, man. That's that's unbelievable, and, and that's a typical day every day for us. Wow, wow, hey, well, that's cool for us to know because uh, the average person probably just you know watches game, yell at the ref a few times, and then go home and has no clue <laughs> what you guys actually you know have to go through day to day. You know, so uh, that yeah. gave me some insight for sure. You know, 
Pretty cool, pretty cool. But uh, hey, man, look, we're gonna have to start wrapping it up. But hey, I definitely, yeah. I definitely want to thank you for giving us some of your time. I know we've been trying to catch you, but every time we got you, it was like you had to go to another game or you had to go to another game. So we get it yep. now. We get it now. <laughs> <laughs> now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, 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 my persistence paid off because I, yeah. I, I did it. Because yeah. um, like Ricky, Rick is. Like you said, he's my friend. Um, yeah. Glad I'm glad we have that relationship. And you know, I apologize for the you know the other times, but man, I'm glad you know that he hooked us up to get me on here and, and kind of oh. share some insight on what we do. Oh man, um, Rick, CJ, can, Rick, no, Rick, I'm just gonna compliment you real quick. Rick, you've been real good, uh, and and we got like three minutes, so we good. I'll make it short. Rick's been real good. Me and him both come from basketball background, and. Um, we both know a lot of people in the game and Rick and I, when we hooked up, Rick goes, man, let's just do, let me, let me just bring some of the people I'm close to on. And bro, he's been blowing me away almost every time. <laughs> it's been great. It's been great. But I do, I do want to mention uh, CJ, you know, I'm a little bit partial here. Eric's probably not going to say anything. His wife just became a head coach of George Mason. Yes, oh. she did. Congratulations oh. to her. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's big. <laughs> oh man, um, I I don't know how much time we got left, but I did want to mention it. She, we she got two minutes. Two minutes. Got two minutes. Eric, Eric's <laughs> wife, Eric's wife interviewed me one time. She was the head coach at uh, at uh, Mount St. Mary's in Washington, up around the Washington D.C. area, Emmitsburg, Maryland, and she yeah. bought an interview. I didn't I didn't take the job, or she didn't offer. I can't remember which, but but anyway, I always had that had that bond with her and then her and her and Eric got married. And I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta be a little small piece in this. There you go. There you go. Oh man. Yeah. That, that's so, awesome. So now, now y'all have, you have to support George Mason. Oh, you absolutely. Have to. oh, don't worry, bro. Don't worry. Don't worry. We will. Yes. Deal. Deal. We might even need to get her on the show. Hmm. Oh, you would love her. You would love her. Hmm. We can, let's hook that up. Oh man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do yes. that. See, Let's do see, that. I'm yes. always thinking. I'm always thinking. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Hey, man, Eric. Thank you, man. It's been real cool. Thank and yeah, appreciate gonna, it, CJ. We'll do it again. We'll do it again for sure. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And Rick, as usual, bro. I don't even need to. I don't even need to tell you. But uh, it's great having you <laughs> having you around. And let's let's try to keep this puppy going as long as we can. Uh, right, any way I can be helpful is just let me know. All right, man. Appreciate it. And we like thank Eric, everybody. Thanks to you, man. Thank All you, right. Rick. And thanks to your family. All right. And thanks everybody for checking in and listening and checking us out here on ABA one on one. Everybody have a good weekend. Take care, guys. Peace. Yeah. Appreciate it. Be safe. Yeah. All right. Come explore the No Strings Attached E-News online magazine. Our global array of authors inspire, delight, and educate with practical and entertaining articles. And with Focus On, we help producers of film, web series, and other video content attract a wider audience. Plus, your project can stream on Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, and more with our media partners E360 TV and NETV. No Strings Attached E-News, focusing on human interest. Advertising available, nsaen.com. The American Basketball Association is the largest pro league in the world. Some great opportunities for team ownership are available and the cost may surprise you. If you've ever thought about team ownership in a pro league, give us the opportunity to help make it a reality. Reach out to us for more info. 
for US ATs at www.abaliveaction.com. In Australia, go to www.abaleagueaustralia.com. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Remember, you can keep up with every episode by subscribing via our website. Follow us on social media and tell your friends about us. Next week, new guests, more basketball tips, more basketball stories about the game we all love. Till then, be safe and keep your eyes on the ball. Boom.